in McDonald's this week, having breakfast at Martin McDonald's. Please don't judge me, although I know that it's a really high-class restaurant for some of you guys. You know, I was over in McDonald's and a lady came up and, and she was going to take the tray. Natalia, she's from Slovakia. And Natalia says uh, to my friend, as we are talking away, she says, oh guys, what are you doing for the rest of the day? So we told her, we said, well, we're going to talk about church, how to make it better, how we can love more people, how we can reach out, how we can uh, impact our cities. And, and she says, wow, that sounds really interesting. I feel that I need something like that. So we said, uh, Natalia, you know, well, let's tell you about a church that we know. There's a family, and she said, you know, I'm a single parent, and I'm a bit worried about being over here in Britain on my own, bringing up my daughter, and I need a community like that. Do you think that they would accept me? Of course they'll accept you, Natalia. That's what they were designed to do. They've got the spirit in them. I didn't say that bit, but they've got the spirit in them, and they'll, of course they'll love you. But do you think that they could receive someone like me. Of course they can receive someone like me. Well, isn't it that church only like married people? And you see, my daughter's been brought up and I'm not married to the person who uh, is, is the father of this. Well, do you think they'd accept me? Of course they'll accept you. Because you're a person whom Jesus loves. So we began to tell her about the website and, and uh, tell her about the pastor and the pastor's wife because we're in Northampton and we've sent her along to that church because, you see, what we wanted to do is just simply say, let the Holy Spirit use us at any day of the week. On a Friday in McDonald's, the Holy Spirit's there. Now I'm not sure he's in the food, but I'm sure he's there. <laughs> There might be a legal suit if somebody hears this message. But today we want to talk about how to be Pentecostal people. And for those of you who might be guests with us, Pentecostals today, when we believe that the Holy Spirit was sent, and that's not just a historical event, that is a present reality, that the Holy Spirit is here right now, God's presence to help you and to minister to you so that you can do things for Him. Amen? That's what we believe, that he's alive. I don't know about you, have you ever seen those before and after pictures? Have you seen the before picture of, you know, somebody's about 57 stone and then, you know, they go down to about 10 stone and you know, and you just think, wow, that's amazing. Or somebody is, you know, really puny, like I'm the before picture on this illustration, okay? Somebody's really puny and then later on they get like missed up muscles and so on. You know, and they're, they're really hunk. <laughs> you know, I know you can't imagine it looking at me behind the before picture afterwards, but there's a whole process in between, isn't there? The trouble with the before and after picture, they don't show you the blood, sweat and tears and the self-discipline to get to the process. You know, the book of Exodus reminds me of that. If you read the book of Exodus, I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 23 in a moment. In the book of Exodus, in, in the first few chapters, because we're Christians, we read God into it. But if you read the first couple of chapters of Exodus, God's hardly mentioned. It's almost like he's not there. It's almost like there is absence. You get a little bit of a clue that he's in the background because you hear about some Hebrew midwives who are helping uh, the Israelite women give birth to their children. But that's about it. 
But then by the time you get to chapter 40, there is a cloud hovering over their worship tent. And you know what? They can't even move until that cloud lifts. And there's a fire that leads them by night. And God is so present that he's visible and active. And there's a whole process in between about how they get to that point about being delivered and, and having the law. But at Pentecost, we too have this leading presence of God. And one of the things about being a Pentecostal person or somebody filled with the Spirit is that we are so sensitive to the Spirit that, that we have His presence that Jesus promised and His action in our lives so much that the things that we do are led and directed so that we're not just living our life to survive, we're actually being led by the presence of God. I want to draw a roadmap today of how to be a modern Pentecostal person, but I'm actually going to use a really old-fashioned method of preaching through symbolism from the tabernacle. You see, the design of the tabernacle, and Kathy and I were joking, is like God is OCD. He's like, oh, but this little thing, oh no, you've got it wrong. And he's so detailed about how long things are supposed to be even. He, he's incredibly detailed, but it's a symbol about how he's like. In fact, the details reveal what he's like and how he dwells with us and how we can connect with him. And, uh, you know, there's so much symbolism. And I don't really, to be honest, this isn't my style of preaching today because I've heard lots of sermons on the tabernacle and they just become detailed nonsense that bore the pants off everybody. So get ready. Everybody will try and avoid that. They're more detailed than they are useful. But as we look at Pentecost, we have to see that just like that cloud was over the tabernacle, or just like when Solomon dedicated the temple, that the cloud filled it, and it was almost the active presence of God, just so it, that God is a communicating God. He's a God who pours himself out, and he wants to uh, communicate to you and through you and in you. Do you know that the New Testament says, in fact, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We pray about our campus here, but you know, you're God carriers. You're, my body is a temple. No comments, please. You, you are a temple. And one of the distinctives of Christianity is, is that God dwells in you. In the temple and in the tabernacle, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And actually, it was a completely darkened room. And it would have been completely dark because it had no windows in it, except for something placed in it called a lampstand. One of the pieces of furniture there is this lampstand that's highly symbolic. And it, it gave continual light of the communication of God's presence. But also it was a reminder that we're supposed to actively be shedding light to everyone. You know, the, quant the qualities and the construction of the lampstand are such that they can teach us 
how we are to be as people in order to be the active carriers of God's presence in the world. When you walk out down New Street or the High Street or wherever you live, you're a temple carrying the presence of God. You know, you, you're a God carrier. Now that's an amazing thing. You carry His presence in you and through you. That's an amazing thing. Carrying God. I mean, God carries us, and I'll say this sooner or later, but we communicate, radiate, we, we send out God's presence. And the, this lampstand is often seen as a symbol of Jesus, and, and of course that's right. But also, because it's light, we mirror him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light, life. And I want to say to you today, if you're here and you're not sure why we are Christians are so excited about what we do in our praise and worship, you love the music, but you don't get the message, Jesus is light. And actually, you know lots of things. You have had lots of experience, and, and that's true. You know some things, but as far as spiritual freedom and as far as eternal life is concerned, the Bible says you're in darkness, and you have no light. Sure, you, you, you have an opinion, and you know some things, but you don't have the light. And what Jesus is, when he comes into the light, your life, you see the whole world in a completely different way. But you know what Jesus does? He says, not only is he the light, but we are light. Jesus himself said this, you are the light of the world, and a, a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. We are supposed to radiate, communicate, and every other eight, light. And we're supposed to be that, that people, and, and we are. And this is what Pentecost is. And I'm not celebrating a historic event. Actually, I want us to live in a current reality that we both communicate, relate, and connect, and commune, dwell with God himself, and personally hear his voice. Wouldn't it be great if, like the tabernacle, the cloud was dwelling over the tabernacle, and before they moved and took a step, it wasn't until the cloud moved and the cloud started to move and they started to pack up the tent, pack up everything because the cloud was moving. Wouldn't it be great you get up in the morning, you know, you have your Weetabix and some of you have two and, you know, the amazing people amongst you have three and, and you know, you've got your shredded wheat and your Weetabix and scrambled eggs and then you begin to say, oh, I feel the presence of God moving me. And you lived your life like that. Now that doesn't mean to say God's going to say, oh, I'm going to work today and all the rest of it. But you actually sense that God was leading you rather than we just going through our routine. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the qualities of the, the lampstand in the Holy of Holies. Because the Holy of Holies was a deep place of spiritual impact. It was an intimate place. And it helps us to learn kind of some qualities of how we can be those light bearers. The first thing is this. 
Let me read you. Just turn with me to Exodus chapter 25, and we'll just look at verse 31. I'll, I'll read it really quickly because it's quite detailed. Make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out base and shaft. Its flower-like cups and buds and blossoms shall be as one piece with it. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand. Three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms and are on one branch. I'm trying to read it in an exciting way, guys. Okay. And on the lampstand, there will be four cups shaped like almond flowers, buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand. A second bud under the second pair and a third bud under the third pair. Six branches in all. The buds and the branches shall be of one piece with the lampstand. Hammered out pure gold. And then make it seven lamps and set them so that they are like the space in front of it. It's wick and trim and trays of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all its accessories. Make sure that you make this according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. In other words, I haven't told you this because I want you to ignore it. I want you to see something in it. See this pattern. You know, the, the lampstand, first of all, was made of pure gold. It was of one talent, which is about 75 pounds. That's about just over 30 kilos of gold. It was one million pounds uh, in sterling, pounds sterling in value. Obviously, it's got obvious references to holiness and purity. Of course it has. But also, it came about, it was called pure gold. And pure gold is a result of refinement. It's a result of a process. Now today, you've heard us sing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. And sometimes when we praise the way we do, it, it sometimes gives us the impression that there's no process. That we pray, God answers, and hunky-dory, everything's fine. But here we see that the gold was pure because it had been through a process. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter, it says this. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is greater, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory. Glory. God has got you in a process. You may be in a refining process, but much more than the physical gold, your spiritual faith is much more precious than even the symbol. The symbol isn't good enough to be able to describe what God is doing in your faith. And he's got you in a process. And you may be at the start of a process. You may be in the middle of the process. But part of the refining process is that you come to a point of, can I call it this? Singularity. Or focus. And, or single motivation for what runs your life. You see, culturally today, we want it all and we want it now. 
We want, we want to be everything. We want so many things and be a Christian. And, and that's fine. You know, God wants you to, to have a, a large vision for your life. But our baseline model for our lives is Christ and his claims and what he is without compromise. And for many of us, to be really Pentecostal people, we've got to come to this purity of focus, both in holiness, but also in our mindset. Some of us are saying, and, and we have people who go from church to church to church to church because they just sample, uh, where's the good church I can sample, instead of having a, a single motivation that says, God, I am motivated to connect with you and your commands for me. And that's what I'm going to build my life around. You know, have you heard of a chameleon, a lizard? The chameleon, it can, it can change colour according to the background it's in. You know, there was a chameleon one time, it went on a blue background, and then sort of put a blue and a green background uh, there. It just said, no problem, I can change my head green, and, and I can change my body blue. And then said, oh, I'm going to put a, a yellow and blue and green background. So he changed his legs to yellow, and his, and his body to green, and his head to blue, and just blended in. You can't get me at all. But actually, a Scottish person came along, and they wear tartan. And the, and the chameleon who went on that background and blew up. Because, because the thing is, some of us are trying to be so many different things. You need to kind of say, I'm a Christian. That's my focus. That's my motivation. Jesus is my model. And some of us are trying to compromise and say, well, can I be that a little bit, but I want to be this. And actually, the lampstander's pure gold is saying, come to purity. Come to singularity of motivation. This only comes through testing. That only comes through knowing why we think the way we do. Not in, you know, I don't mean to become a, a bigoty person or somebody who doesn't unthoughtfully, uh, doesn't know why they think what they think. But actually, you've got to begin to drill down, nail your colours to the mast and say, this is me, I'm serving God. And until you do that, until you allow God to refine your heart, you're always going to struggle and his power is going to be weak in your life. The second part of the lampstand was it had a strong base. And obviously, it's an obvious illustration about having the word of God as a foundation and making sure you're building life on that. But you know... Where the, where the lampstand was, was in the very presence of God. And in the Holy of Holies, what you did, you did carefully. You didn't crash in. Did you see me dancing around earlier? And you were all rolling your eyes, going, oh, there's Pastor Mark again, you know. You don't do that in the Holy of Holies. I once had a professor, and, and, and I actually said to him, how do you study God? And he said, very carefully. And one of the things about having the base is you have to appreciate the weight of the glory of God. Now we often speak about this as if, you know, oh, wherever you are, God's looking over your shoulder. I don't mean it like that. I mean it like when, you, when you're a God carrier, you appreciate who he is. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, it says, 
Therefore, consider the kindness and the sternness of God. Kindness to you who have been accepted and sternness to those who were rejected. That God isn't anybody's trinket. God isn't anybody where you've got him in your pocket. Consider God. You know the word worship comes from an Anglo-Saxon word called worth-ship. And it actually means you consider God's worth. And how heavy he is and what his glory is. And that becomes a base in your life that you begin to say, you know what, I carry God. Now, of course, God carries me. But can you begin to appreciate that if God says, I dwell in your life, you're a God carrier. And that has to stabilize our lives so that we don't fall over easily. You know, this lampstand is basically the symbol of a tree. It, it is actually, it, it means a, a tree, a particular tree that we'll get to in a moment, had a central stem and it had branches coming off. And it, and it reminds us of Jesus' teaching that he's a vine and we're his branches. In fact, we have to have, if we're going to be Pentecostal people today, there's something about having connected dependency upon God. And what I, what I mean by that is when Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches, remain in me and I remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. Well, you could do lots of things, actually. But actually what Jesus is saying, the things of the kingdom and the things of, of value that make progress in people's lives, you need to be connected to God. And you see this dependency, when we talk about it, it's not something whereby it makes us passive. Oh God, I can't do anything without you, so I'm not doing anything. It's not that type of thing. Connected dependency is not passivity, it's not being passive. It's actually, we depend on God for the things of the kingdom and for how we make progress in our spiritual life. It's us saying, God, what, what are you doing? What, what are you up to today? I depend on you. What are you doing in my family? Listen, let me talk to you as parents today. I wonder if you are just parenting in, in automatic mode or whether or not you're saying to God, God, what are you doing? How can I join in with what you're doing with my children? I depend on you, Jesus. I want to have wisdom for them. You see, I'm talking about being Pentecostal people that, that we, we are loud sometimes, but also very sensitive people, depending on God, saying, God, unless I hear from you, I, I'm not going there. You'll not build a kingdom. You'll not make progress unless you sense and say, God, teach me to depend on you in spiritual progression. You see, in a sense, as I was preparing this message, this is the heart of it. Many of us, as, as Christians, we've come to a ministry level of anointing. We, we're where we are now. And, and actually, I felt like the Lord said, we need dependency that, that begins to rely on Him so we can move deeper and further in the supernatural. You see, this is what Pentecost teaches us. It teaches us that we can make a real difference by this connected living to Jesus. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like when you're driving a car, and I don't drive, so you have to confirm what I'm saying for a moment. If, you, if you're in second gear, you can only go so fast, you know, and you're revving the car, and you're, why isn't this coming anymore? Until you change to third gear, and it launches you forward at the highest speed. I want to prophesy and, and encourage and say over you, some of you, God wants you to change gear and to go a further and deeper level in the anointing that you have. Amen. 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 You know, I really feel it in my spirit that some of us, you, you're there now. Some of you go, and actually some of you like driving in second gear because you like the noise and all of that. And you think, oh, the noise. God doesn't want your noise. He wants to take you on a further speed. And actually, I want to say it a different way. You know when you're going up a steep hill, and you might be in third gear or fourth gear, and you have to change down in order to take your car up the hill. Now I know some of you have got these magnificent modern cars that you just, you don't feel that way, but the type of cars that we've had in our past, we had to change right down to get up a hill, because they're all bangles. You may still have one of them. Sometimes you need to change down, because you're in a hard place, and you need to go deeper, not faster, slower, and deeper. And I just want to say to you that some of you need an anointing shift. You're doing well. You're surviving. But there's a gear change. There's a change down. For some of you, it's a change up. You're making too much noise and going too slow. For some of you, it's a change down. Where you're in a hard place and God wants to infuse strength into your life so that you can go and take that mountain. There is an anointing change for many of you. And that's what being a Pentecostal person is. Say this with me. It's not my might. It's not, it's not my power. But it's by my spirit. Says the Lord Almighty. Come on, say it again. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, that's the gear change. It's the connectedness to Him that says, I need you, God. And for this area of my life, I will not use my own ingenuity. I want to get deeper into you. The lampstand... As I said, it was a representation of a tree, but it's a particular tree. It's a, an almond tree. And, uh, you know, we use almond in a, in a cake called a Bakewell tart over here. I don't think it's because God liked just Bakewell tarts. It was an almond tree because it, its buds and its branches and, it, and its, uh, at the top it had a, a flower and it was all represented on, on an almond tree. And I was thinking, what does that mean, Lord? And if you study it long enough, it, the almond tree is the first tree that buds and has a harvest in Israel and in its climate. It's the first tree that wakes up after the long winter. It's the first tree that produces fruit out of all the other trees in Israel. Do you remember Aaron? He had a staff. And they wanted to choose who the right priest was. And, and Aaron's staff was made out of an almond stick uh, uh, tree. And it was only his staff that budded. And it's a sign of resurrection life. 
It's a sign that God is ready to act. It's a symbol of life. But it's also a fact that God is not slow to be in action. Now, we'll talk about process and we talk about discipleship. But I want you to know that God all the time is working. Even in those process times, God is working. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 1, 11 and 12. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly. And, and you know, today, I want you to see something. Not just hear something. You've seen correctly. For I am watching to see my word fulfilled. One of the key attitudes to be filled with the Spirit and to live as a Pentecostal person is we need to have expectancy. Expectancy that God is going to do things. Now I know that we all have to journey with God. And we're mature enough to say that there are times when we pray for miracles but it takes a while to get the miracle. That we speak to that mountain and God hands us a shovel and we have to dig that mountain out of the way. We get our maturity. But in our maturity of saying, God, I'm in it for the long haul and in the process, do not ditch the fact or, or refuse the fact that God can still do things. Some of us are so mature, we've ruled out the fact that God has the almond tree that says, I am ready. To break over your life with a new and fresh harvest. I am ready to pour out my spirit on you. And to do the new things. Get the process. We get it. But he's ready to break in new things. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Not for us to receive. But so that we could do. I expect that people can get saved. Amen? I expect that scars, Pastor Nick, can be healed. Amen? Come on, what do you expect? Where are your eyes? Are your eyes low? Looking at everybody's feet or can you lift up your heads and see harvest for Jesus? Even in your own life, if you look so long, and you don't see the almond tree that buds early and says, I'm on it, I'm ready, I'm ready to do something. But you're, you're looking to another tree that says, well, wait a while. And all the while, God is saying, I am ready, be expectant. I wonder if you expect to be filled again with the Holy Spirit today. So to be a lampstand, to be a people that radiate light, we need to be dependent, considered, expectant people. People who are pure in focus. But the whole reason for the lampstand was to produce light. Was to radiate something. It's not just to be there. But actually, the reason to have the oil and to flow through the branches was so that the priest could do his work. So that the Holy of Holies was not just a dark room. That actually things could happen. We need to be vessels of the Holy Spirit to produce light to make a difference. And you know the priests were there. 
And they had to keep that oil so they could burn continually. And, and what we need to be is people of consistency. Hey, I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back. And when you stand with me, I've just got really just one or two important things to say. So keep your focus. But if you'll stand with me just for a moment. But you know, we are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that we can be consistent light givers and radiate light to everyone that we hear. The priest was to keep the oil fresh so that it could produce light. And we often pray for oil, don't we? We often say, fill me with the Holy Spirit, don't we? And we're praying to keep going. And actually, the Lord wants us to be filled so that we can be used, not just so that we can survive. Here's been thinking about it. Who goes to Tesco for the cheap petrol? Is anybody here? When you, when you take your car to the... To the petrol station, this is me miming, pumping gas here. You fill your car with petrol so that you can go on a journey. Have I got this right? Can you, somebody wave at me. You fill your car with petrol so that you can go somewhere in it. And when you've gone somewhere and travelled somewhere and it's empty, you fill it again. Am I right with this? I know I don't drive a car, and I don't understand all the science of it, but let me just explain it. You fill your car so that you can go places. Have I got this right? Is anybody with me on this? Am I laboring this? Say, get on with it, Pastor Moore. Why in church, then, do we say, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, and we don't intend to go anywhere and do anything? Why is that? What if you went to the petrol station and your car's full and you say, I think it needs a top up, I'll just, I'll just put petrol in and I'll do the overflow and, and you know we need to live in the overflow because we need Jesus and filling us and then we need to overflow with more than what God has uh, put in us so that he can flow out of us. So the theology is great in the song. But if you had your car and you just kept taking it to the gas station, I sound like an American don't have a petrol station, sorry. And you put the petrol in and it's already filled and it's overflowing and it's just over everywhere. How's that going to do you any good? You have got to start saying, fill me, use me. Fill me so that I feel empty. Jesus said you'll go into all the world and he said you'll engage with demons. You see, you need the Holy Spirit so that you can engage the enemy. Listen, think of the hardest thing in your life. The thing that's stuck and say, God, I am going to pray that through. And then you'll begin to be filled. Jesus said you'll go into it, you'll preach the gospel. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can share the good news of Jesus. You need to, I am praying that on the way home from church, somebody cuts you up and you wind down your window and say, Jesus loves you, my brother, come to my church. I'm praying that you get a divine appointment. I'm praying for an Italian who comes and to clear your McDonald's tray with, with very little food on it, by the way. Just praying that Natalia comes into your life and says, can you tell me what you're talking about? I'm praying that you run alongside a chariot 
or a modern day that you walk next to a shopping trolley and somebody's reading the Bible and they say, I don't understand what I'm reading. And you say, I can help you understand what you're reading. And that you can lead that person to the Lord. I'm praying that you begin to speak out what you know. Why would you want filling if you're not going to speak out? And Jesus said, you'll baptize people. That means, I wonder who's the young Christian that you're helping. He said, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Who are you teaching? I'm praying that the Holy Spirit fills you so that you can radiate out. I have a word for you. You need a gear shift change. And that's a word to several people in this house. You need an anointing level move. You see, some of you, there are two anointings that want to come on you. The first one is an everyday anointing. It's an everyday filling of the Holy Spirit where you say, lead me today, Lord, and God's going to use you. And some of you haven't felt that for a long time. You've been into McDonald's, eaten your breakfast, left, and nothing's happened. Now, that doesn't happen to me every time I go into McDonald's. But you need an everyday anointing. Where the people you meet are contacted and touched by the presence of God. So come on, lift your hand with me and say, I want an everyday anointing. God, use me tomorrow. Use me today. Fill me. Fill me, Lord. I want to engage the enemy. I want to pray for the sick, Lord. I want to speak the gospel. I want to care for the young believer. Lord, use me. Stop thinking that those things are just my job. That's your job. Engage. But the second thing that you need is you need a specialist anointing for your particular ministry. And some of you are not using your everyday anointing because you're too busy wrapped up in your specialist anointing thinking, well, until I get that, I can't be used of God. You can be used of God every single day. We're going to sing a song. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask some of you to come if you need a shift in your openness to the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, it'll be a shift to go up a level and to go further faster. For some of you, it'll be a shift down that you'll need to go deeper into God so that you can get up the hill that you're facing. But if you need a shift in your level of anointing, I'm going to call you forward in a few moments and we're going to sing together and I'm going to pray for you. Because church, it's time that we don't just be who we are. But God calls us to what he wants us to do. And you lift up your eyes and say, there's another horizon out there for me. You see, we need the consistency of not just asking for oil. We need the consistency of asking God so that we can work for him. If you feel you're running on empty, you need a refilling. If you're just doing what you do and say, oh, well, I'm just faithful, you need a refilling. If you feel, hey, maybe you don't feel anything, then I pray that God will put you in a situation where you need God. So come on, we're going to sing together. 
And then if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to go up a level in my anointing. I need a shift. I'm going to call you forward. I'm going to pray for you. And then after we pray for you, folks, we'll end with praise for the choir. Is that okay? Come on, let's sing together. Thank you, Father. You are worthy of...